0: Mind listeners, I hope you're ready for a special episode today that might not even mention Arsenal more than three times, and that's only because today we bring you the first ever EPL State of Mind Spotlight Panel. What's so special about this? Well, for once, you get to hear all about the EPL from a few of our near and dear friends, and most of the time, it won't even be about our favorite squads, which is certainly the case today. But hell, let's give it a go and dive back into the EPL State of Mind during an EPL list international break. But of course, we have to open up with some hot news first. And unfortunately, the first segment that we have today is a bit of sad news from across the world in a footballing standpoint and just a humankind standpoint. So Kyle, without further ado, let's open up with some unfortunate news from the international break this weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's get this out the way soon. You know, when you got good news and bad news to share, you always get the bad news out of the way. Um, So get this, the Sweden-Belgium game, international game, Sweden goes up one nothing early in the first half. Belgian answers with Lukaku goal. Second half, I got an update on my phone that the match was just stopped, not to continue. So obviously updates to come. But what what we've had so far is that there was an attack outside of the stadium where someone gunned down two two fans, two people in the street, and then he himself was also shot. Uh, it's it's awful news. I mean, this comes after threats were made. The game was already on high security. It's, you know, in a, in such a beautiful game, it's, it's really just a shame that we get news like this, but you know what? I, I got nothing more to, to give as updates. Cause that's all I know at this point, but this is, this is definitely something to keep an eye on. This is international football being stopped from outside influences. This is, this is new. So it's, it's real tragic. I mean, thoughts and prayers out to everyone involved, of course, but it's
0: something to keep an eye on. No doubt. Absolutely. Our thoughts and prayers like kyle said to all those affected and obviously there's no no part of that for the game or in the world but unfortunately less unfortunate news but we go to you sean with some player news that also has a bit of a damper mood
2: yeah um unfortunately actually happened i believe this afternoon uh neymar tours acl and meniscus in a game against uh, uruguay he's going to be out for probably at least uh six to nine months so he will keep up his tradition of making his sister's birthday, which is obviously very important <laughs> to him, but we're, we're obviously going to miss him. One of the best ballers in the world and uh, very unfortunate to uh, to pick up an injury and hope he, hope he makes a
0: quick recovery. Absolutely. One of the world's best talents, only has been able to play three games with his current new team in Saudi Arabia. But like you said, Sean, I, I texted you earlier. I was like, is his sister's birthday coming up soon? Because this is a little fishy. But uh, obviously, you never like to see anyone with an injury so severe. Something else that you don't really like to see, especially if you're a team named Newcastle that just spent 64 million euros on their marquee signing of the month is Tonali. He has been wrapped up in an Italian betting scandal with two other international players. And he is looking at a potential 12 to 18 month ban. So this is the second highest signing for Newcastle. He has played an extremely important role with keeping a lot of poise and composure in the center of the pitch for them so far, and uh, has really been exciting to watch from AC Milan just over the summer. So unfortunate for all of us that he is probably looking at somewhere between 12 and 18 months, and we'll be joining Ivan Tony on that. We must screen you before we hire you. List. So this also comes after Tonali's Italian teammate, Niccolò Fagoli, was banned for seven months and fined 12,500 euros for the violation of placing the bets, which he has said and come out that he received the application or the website from Tonali himself. So a bit of throwing your best mate under the bus there. But what can you do? You're Italian. So let's see. Oh, hey. (laughs) That's ridiculous. I knew that would uh, would give a rise out of you, at least, Kyle. But uh, I'm throwing myself under the bus with that one with the Heritage. But we do have some internationals on the call today. So without further ado, let's get into segment number two. Hot news is over. And we're coming into something really great, which is the Man United panel. So with the international break, pissing in all of our EPL Cheerios, here at the EPL State of Mind, we wanted to bring you something new and tantalizing for you all. So for the first time ever, we are doing a spotlight panel. We assembled the Avengers of Manchester United fans to defend their team and hopefully, possibly record a grown man that isn't Kyle shed a tear or two. But without further ado, please welcome England-born Manchester United fan, Mike Forgot, and for not-so-exactly-born Pennsylvania fan, Brendan Heasley to the podcast for their casting debut. Welcome, boys. How are you feeling?
3: I appreciate the invite, fellas. It's never a dull day to talk about Manchester United. They always are in the news, and anymore it seems to be for the wrong reasons. I've been a Man United fan since I was 10 years old, watching it on the grainy television. And anymore, it seems to be like those were the best days. I, as you'll find <laughs> out throughout this episode, I don't know when it's turning around. But Mike might have a more positive opinion of it than I do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mike, welcome.
4: Thank you for having me uh, as well. Um, yeah, I, I was born in England. I've been a Man United fan for now 35 years. Uh, so I got the real glory days. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I I was born post Sir Alex Ferguson, but only just post. He, he only had the job two years uh, when I started being a Man United fan and typical, uh, I didn't have a choice in it. Um, my dad, my mo- my mom and dad both had season tickets. Uh, so did my grandparents. Half my city's Man City fans. Half my sorry family is Man City fans. Half is Man United, as is pretty typical. But we stayed with the Reds, and now glad to be here. But I've been an American watching uh, EPL fan since uh, two two thousand and four, which is when I moved to the states. So I've uh, I'm used to the early mornings. Uh and they you know, getting a distance, get getting the, the information from a distance. But yeah, super
0: excited to be on. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. I think I cut out a little bit there, but you guys might recognize uh Mike from one other appearance. He did watch the Arsenal Manchester United game earlier in the season with myself over at Mulligan's pub where Kyle joined us as well. We had a a quick little stint of a video recap after the game right outside the pub where he shared his insights. So Mike Happy to have you back in the, uh, in the EPL state of mind. And Brendan, um, just so everyone knows, he and I played soccer in college together, been real good mates since then. And uh, we're happy to have you too as well, Brendan. Now I get to hear you complain about Manchester United via audio through the EPL state of mind, which I'm very excited for. <laughs> and, and you know, just so everyone remembers,
1: Mike is from England, so he's using a VPN right now to have this whole thing wired through <laughs> England. So if
4: his mic cuts out or
1: anything, that's why. Blame the English service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we don't, <laughs> but, you we know, don't have would, the
4: level of infrastructure you guys have in the U.S. So, <laughs> I, I would also just like to touch I don't think on we that. got 5G yet. We're, we're yeah, working on it. I, oh, you'll get it. No,
1: you'll, you'll get it out there for sure. But, you know, my buddy Ian, big United fan. It would have been a pleasure to have him here. So we'll see. He'll, he'll get the Stones to come on sooner rather than later. He did promise that if Manchester United wins a trophy, he will hop onto the pod. So, you know, by 2055, we should have Ian right here with us, <laughs>
0: hanging out, giving us his real opinions. That's fantastic. Maybe another Carabao Cup paperweight. But other than that, <laughs> stupid. Uh, well, look, I do want to also... Know, man
4: City split all the trophies possible in England last year. You know, eight, <laughs> me. So, you know, it, 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 where would you want to? I hate that. It's true. I hate that. <laughs> One, one more shout-out
0: before we, we jump into this thing. Um, I do want to give uh, an avid listener and a supporter of the EPL Podcast who is a diehard Manchester United fan as well, Matty Fitzgerald. Uh, we'll get you on the panel next time, so don't you worry. I, I hope you're listening right now, and uh, this gives you a little goosebumps getting ready to go. But, Sean, what do you say, man?
2: Yeah, let's hop right into it, fellas. Um, I mean, I guess the first thing that I well, I have, you know, last year you finished in the top four. They were third in goals conceded, top of the league in clean sheets. Somehow David De Gea won the Golden Glove, which to me is mind-boggling. We talked about the Carabao Cup, and then they bring in $200 million worth of players this summer. Obviously, the expectations had to be really high, but I'm just curious to know kind of what your expectations were coming into the season, and then have they changed at all, you know, now almost 10 weeks into the season?
4: Brendan, take it.
3: Yeah, i was fully on the bandwagon last last season that you know ten hog came in he's turning the team around we're gonna start being better every year and clearly that's just not the case i came into this season thinking top four is nailed on you know we'll improve on last year in terms of points scored maybe not in terms of of rankings at the end of the season they spent a lot of money this year i never give credence to that because who runs the club is just awful, and they can't negotiate anything. They could be trying to sell you know, a box of donuts to a fat kid, and somehow it would fall through. They just, they just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and last year, their team was built on a strong defense. Man United didn't score a lot of goals. And I think the big difference between this year and last year is this year, we haven't had a consistent back four at all. So my expectations have kind of moved on from top four to, God, I hope somehow we can get into sixth or fifth, get some type of European football, something where we're not crashing out of Europe next year, where the financials get worse because we're not in a major tournament and all of a sudden we can't improve the team. And I think kind of what's glossed over is, I, I know David De Gea gets a lot of slack, but I think, I think it shows how important he was. It takes a lot to be a Man United goalkeeper. And so far, Onana, granted his defense in front of him hasn't been great, but he's made some individual errors and i still like him as a keeper but when you look at the larger hole the 200 million you mentioned did 55 million really needed to be spent on onana would a would a center back have helped would another midfielder have helped so i think what happened between last year and this year is injuries perhaps money not well spent and we're kind of reaping reaping the uh benefits of it in a, in a, in a good way it's not helping the team they're not progressing from last year and i don't see a path forward this year this year could be really bad i don't know where the bottom is the next game is against sheffield you think it would be a win but you at at the moment you just don't know
4: yeah Yeah, pressure's on if we don't obviously sheffield is at the bottom but Go yeah, ahead, pressure's Mike. seriously on if uh, we lose to Sheffield United because guess who's next week? We've uh, we've got Champions League game and then we have got City. So even though Arsenal managed to beat them relatively easily, I don't think we'll have the same uh, the same job. Um, but yeah, I honestly going into the season, I thought if we if we can do the same as last year, that's a great season. If we can finish top four and get a trophy, that would be exactly what we want. We're not there yet. To, to to think that he could, Ten could get this team to a place where they're going to win everything uh, and, and compete on all fronts, I just don't think it's realistic. You know, when Arteta went into Arsenal, he was what did he finish eighth, eighth, and then fifth before they even started challenging for anything. So, I think you've got to give him a bit of a break and see see, see, see if we can build on you know what was not a good team.
1: We almost avoided the Man City shot there. We were so close.
3: No, I'm not looking for it was coming. To this Man City game <laughs> in, in two weeks' time. It, that, that's going to be a, a misery. Like I, I don't know who we're going to have playing in the defense. We can't count on a, a goal to be scored at all. It, it, I mean, we celebrate scoring a goal like we won the league anymore, it seems. Uh, so, so, yeah, that Man City game is going to be rough in two weeks.
0: It could be worse, though. You could be looking at possibly a practice squad or your under-23 team to get your goal of the month like Chelsea. So oh. I think maybe you guys <laughs> could, could get something going on this one, especially, especially coming off of uh, an international break with some possible time to heal. And like you said, Heasley, you guys are up against Sheffield United. You can't count anyone out. But I think for the time being, being where they currently are sitting in dead last, with only six goals scored, I think there's a great window for you guys to, to take advantage of here. Um, maybe maybe Rashford, you know, in your guys' opinion, if you could give me just a scale of 1 to 10, nothing else, a number here, Heasley, you first, how has Rashford's um, form been for you right now? 1 to 10, and then Mike, 1 to 10, and we'll get off to the next one.
3: Ooh, probably probably a 3 or a 4, to be honest. Not great.
4: Yeah, Mike? Yeah four I think he's got one goal right he scored for, scored for England for yesterday yeah, that was a really good goal I don't know if any of you saw it but it was uh, yeah if he can score goals like that for United we'll, we'll be in contention but I think Hoyland is going to be really important for us he scored three goals in the Champions League already if he's not scoring if Rashford's not scoring we don't have anything and no guarantees on the defense because uh you know brendan as you were saying we had we have all of our first choice back four injured so not looking good harry Maguire and johnny mcguire oh
3: god don't say that name.
2: <laughs> which one which one harry which one Maguire. triggers you more oh man yeah but johnny evans is older than the like the the sand on the mountain so he's like what 37 <laughs> years old he was he was a youth academy guy like the last time that manchester united won a trophy
3: you know what's go, funny league, about that? Say. He was just he was just coming on during the offseason to, to get some training and to kind of you know get get up to speed again. He wasn't going to sign for the team, and lo and behold, at the end of the transfer window, Man United plastered out. Oh, we're signing Johnny Evans to a one year contract,
4: and he yeah. got bullied by Wrexham. I don't know if any of you saw that preseason game, but uh, yeah, Paul Mullen made him look an idiot. Uh, so I was really worried, but he's he's done well. He, that that assist for uh, for Fernandez's goal was was pretty nice. At, you know, left foot from from pretty deep. So yeah, I mean, if he can continue could, to do that, big. I'm more okay.
1: You know, like the the Man U pickups recently, I've been questioning a a bunch (laughs) of them, but you know, it's almost the players that I would go against, like, why would you sign Erickson? why would you sign Casemiro? Like, you know, players that I just don't think really would fit Erickson's real old at this point. You know, he's coming off that mm-hmm. brutal injury, like that very sc- I wouldn't even call it an injury, but that very you scary mean dying? moment. You mean dying? Yeah, I right? mean, I guess that's an injury, right? <laughs> but um, You know, and, and then it's the players that I would expect to perform, like Sancho, Anthony, guys like that, that they're just not performing. So you know what, This this pickup, this signing, this one year for the guy that I personally don't see the point of, it, it could prove detrimental for you guys. It could be big. Yeah, the only thing mean, I probably just misused well, that word, but
3: <laughs> between Evans and Maguire is you know, Maguire has a mistake in him. Like, we, we, we've we all seen the memes, we've all seen him play. Evans is old, and I'm not championing his signing at all, but I mean, you just know Maguire has a mistake in him somewhere.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it's all about the guy behind the clipboard making all the decisions, which kind of segues into our next part and kind of. So what you're you're getting at at the beginning there, Heasley, and for me it's it's Aaron Eric Ten Hag, right? So question number two to you boys, and we'll start with you, Mike, this time. On a scale from iceberg to Red Devils Den hot, how hot is ETH's seat right now, or is it a matter like you guys were saying that he hasn't been able to put out his preferred starting eleven uh, because they're just not fit? and like uh what would be your guys's ideal starting 11.
4: Uh so as far as is he going to lose his job? Uh the the Glazers have typically not sacked a manager unless they're not going to finish in top 4 and as soon as that's guaranteed then the manager gets the bullet. So I don't think anything's going to happen anytime soon but lose to Sheffield United, lose to Copenhagen and lose to City, we'll see. Uh these things change quickly. But uh, overall as far as you've got to t- factor in these injuries. Uh, a couple seasons ago when Liverpool fell off hard, it's because they had injuries and just not as many. Man United have had 12 first team players with injuries so far this season. And nobody was saying that Klopp's job was on the line. I know he had more money in the bank <laughs> than Den Hag has, but um, I think, you know, you just have to look at the teams that he's able to put out. Um, and now what's my preferred lineup? you got to stick with Anana just because I don't know the other goalkeepers in the team. I mean, talking to- <laughs> <laughs> you know, we. I, I just haven't seen the play. We decided to get rid of uh, all of our goalkeeping staff, which it d- doesn't make much sense, but we did. Um, so you, as far as my starting 11, if everyone's fit. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've got to have, I, I'd say right now, is looking like he might be trying to get his place back. Um, Wambasaka's I'd still say is the, is the guy at right back? You you want to have Varane and um, Martinez again? Both injured, both injured a lot all the time, uh, and then Shaw, <laughs> who's, who's like never fit either. So the, those are the four that I'd have in the back four. Um, going through the middle, you'd have Casemiro. Bruno and Amrabat's look good you know. I I think he's looked really solid on the ball. He's kept possession well and if you look at his stats uh, from his Fiorentina days, he 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 just is really good at holding and keeping possession. So hopefully that continues. Uh up top uh we'll we'll forget about the right side for now. On the left you have uh Rashford. You he just he plays well when he plays there a lot of the time. Um and then Hoyland up top to score some goals. But who do we have on the right? Uh uh I honestly I, I don't hate Mason Mount on the right. I don't know. I, I think there's no good option. Anthony's obviously back in the team now, but he he wasn't doing great before he had his uh absence, his sabbatical. So um I don't know if he's an obvious shoe in to, to get back into the team. The only thing I'd say is Bruno has been playing on the right and Hannibal Medry's been playing in the through the middle in the tent and Hannibal's look great, but Bruno's look very average coming off the right uh, in the last few games. He's just given the ball away quite a lot. So I don't think it plays to his strengths. Um, so, yeah, I don't know on the right side. I'd, I'd say Mount, why not? Give him a go. Can't be worse.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Real quick before we pass it over to you, Heasley, and I'm sure maybe you'll you'll sneak this guy into your starting 11. But I know he's young. But he's extremely talented, and it seems like he excites every Manchester United fan as soon as he touches the pitch. I know he's typically playing, played on that left side, but why not throw Garnacho on the right side? I know it's not obviously the best side for him to cut in, but he's got the legs, he's got the drive. He definitely could probably outpace and outwork Fernandez over on that right side. W- what are you thinking of that one, Mike?
4: Well, he started at the beginning of the year, and he didn't impress. Um, so, yeah, yeah, T- yeah Tenor gave him a, a shot when we had to play Rashford through the middle because um, of Hoyland's back injury or whatever the reason he wasn't playing was. Uh, so he's been given a shot recently and he didn't take it. I really like him as far as, as you say, super exciting, talented player. But at the end of the day, he was given a shot and didn't produce. I would love to see him come on, uh, come off the bench and be an impact sub. That's what you know, he's shown he's really good at. I mean, if you look at the, the game against City last year, he was able to come on and, you know, get get Rashford the ball for the goal. And I think that's just where he's able to add value right now. Still young,
0: yeah, give him some time. People are... Oh, absolutely. Some people have to know their role. And, and if you're a super sub, that's almost as important as starting. So Heasley, you're starting 11 and, and your position on Eric Ten Hag.
3: Yeah, my starting 11 doesn't, um deviate too much from what Mike said I would keep the back five the the same way Mike said the midfield I, I go with Casemiro Amrabat, and Fernandez um I, I think you need that balance we saw that with Arteta earlier earlier in the season when he tried to play two attacking midfielders with Odegaard and, and Havertz and, and it just didn't work and the same thing trying to play um Fernandez amount in the midfield it just doesn't work um the Mason Mount signing baffles me but that's neither here nor there um where I do differ is, is in the the front three. Um, I know Anthony was a, a high signing that that's not his fault. Um, nor is it Eric Ten Hag's fault. Um, and I know he hasn't been scoring a ton of goals and and he is on a, a sabbatical with some, some issues that he's working through. Uh, but he is, he is Eric Ten Hag's big signing from last year and he works his socks off. He tracks back something. Most of our wingers don't do. And I mean, it's super important when we have the back line, the way it is now, I would keep Hoyland up top. Uh, you got to play him. He's the only striker we have. Martial's made a glass. He can't stay healthy. You know, more, more than a game or two in a row. Um, oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, it, easy to forget because <laughs> he hardly ever plays. Um, <laughs> on the left side, though, and this you, you stole my hot take. Um, I was going to say we should start Gernacho over Rashford. Uh, Gernacho had his chance earlier in the season. Yeah, he wasn't producing. The lads only 19 years old, every game is not going to be a, a great game. And, and in my opinion, Rashford got, got his big contract and he seems to has taken his foot off the pedal. He hasn't scored a ton of goals. He hasn't been performing. He needs to be dropped for at least a game or two. And we saw just last game against, uh, Brentford, what an impact or had when he came off the bench, he will work. He is a bright spot in the team. Maybe he doesn't keep Rashford out long-term. But he's got to get a run of games. Something just isn't clicking with, with Rashford. He doesn't track back. He makes some errant passes. The loads of goals he scored last year were great, don't get me wrong. But they dried up in, in late spring. He was, he was kind of carried across the finish line. And, you, you know, for him to be consistently in the team the way he is, he needs to be scoring goals, and he's just not doing that. Um, yeah. But as far as Ten Hog's hot seat, I, I mean, the guy needs to bundle up, put on his mittens, and, and snuggle up with a penguin because his seat's ice cold. <laughs> um <laughs> since uh, sir alex retired after the 2012 2013 season we're now on our fifth manager in like 10 years i mean what's the point in sacking another manager uh, what's nothing changes we, we've gone through this song and dance as, as united fans you you sack the old manager you bring in a new one you get the new manager bounce for a season the players will, will work hard the uh the board will back them for a season and then in the second season when you get top four when you get a little bit of success you know leadership takes their foot off the, the pedal players get complacent i i just don't see the point in, in sacking another manager obviously if he goes on a, a horrible losing streak you just got to do it but you know in my opinion i mean who are you going to bring in who who would you bring in could you pry deserve from brighton i i, I don't know grand potter did that and he's out of a job <laughs> in like eight months so i don't think deserve gonna be like yes i'd love to leave my position with a well-run team that's having success for the dumpster fire that is manchester united it seems like so i, I don't know who point, you would get to point. replace them and i just to be honest i don't see the point in, in firing ten Hag. you know aside from a horrid run
2: for sure yeah I, I think i think you hit a lot of good points there um i don't necessarily think and and we'll touch on it later i don't necessarily think it's all down to the manager because as you alluded to earlier Brendan it's just a very poorly run club you know in terms of transfer business um anthony's a perfect example of that i think initially the fee was supposed to be around 50 and then uh united kind of just spent all summer going after Frankie de jong it failed it didn't work um they weren't able to get him they pivoted and kind of panicked for casemiro who looked great last year, but he does look like he's lost a little bit of a step. And I think that's why they brought in Amrabat to run those hard yards for him in in the midfield. Um, But, and and the other one I I totally agree on and, and no one's going to be surprised to hear this ever listened to me talk about him. but Mason Mount, I just, he's not a 55 million pound player. He just is not. Um, I think, I think to Mike's point, I think he might be better off in a 10 or, or on the right wing. uh, But as an eight, I just don't see it with him. Um, And it just really, it really makes me question who's in charge from a director of football standpoint, because there's no clear identity or plan, it seems, with the way that Man United's run.
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean, I I can absolutely agree with that. Going off what Brendan had said, though, I mean, you're you're asking what type of manager could possibly come in. I mean, you guys can yell at me, DM (laughs) us if you want, scream at me. But like, what about Wayne Rooney? Oh you know, God! I mean, how no. many? How many teams? <laughs> taken in
4: the no, we we've you know done the next
3: player. We've done the we've done Ollie. You know, jobs for the boys. Everyone's got a smile on. The, those were a fun first year. I I no 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 more player managers.
1: <laughs> listen,
0: listen. I don't know, L's Kyle. You like you love Frank Lump- I, Lampard I do so not much, I and mean, he did that man's so name.
1: well. I mean, it's <laughs> Lampard, absolute legend. The disrespect, your brother would be so mad at you for that.
2: Call him lumpard because he's a fat fuck. Well, you know, I'm just going off. I mean, look at line.
1: look at Savvy at Barcelona. Sometimes players work. They just do. But um Yeah, because he think played he, at Barcelona. You know what? He just, had like, just, the highest <laughs> football
2: IQ of his generation. So I mean, yeah. Wayne Rooney, come on.
1: One of the best players to to ever play in the Premier League.
4: I, I think it's inevitable. It will happen. Just get David Beckham. Just get David Oh, Beckham. now we're
1: talking. All right. You know, I think he's pretty busy <laughs> in Miami, though. So we'll be <laughs> <on this topic. laughs> But, uh, you know, Brendan, you were mentioning, you know, Rashford, he's just not there at all, and the impact of that. But, I mean, if we just remember last year, there was that, what, 10, 11-game streak that he went on of goals. And we talk about impact. There were players all around the world, Jude Bellingham, Erling Holland. I mean, Mbappe even did it once, who were, like, mimicking that celebration. I mean, talk about an impact player. That's who you got to get hot. If you can get Rashford going – it doesn't even impact his team. It impacts the world. I mean, he has such, such a, a direct implication on how Manchester United does.
3: Well, and that's so, the shame. That's the shame of it because I, I totally agree. He was lights out for portions of last year. And, and, and Ten Hag really, I, you know, there was rumors when he was interview, interviewing for the job, you know, you know, what players would he improve, what players would he focus in on. And supposedly Rashford was one of those players that he would be like, I will turn this player around. And he did for, for like the first, you know, 60, 70% of the season. and He was on a tear, but he, he seems to go through these slumps and I, I just don't know how to get him out of it. And clearly Ten Hag doesn't know either at the moment.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with that. And you hear the term world-class be thrown around this podcast like a joke because of uh, Jorginho a lot. But um, I, I will say <laughs> that I think Rashford at his potential could be world-class. And he's one of the few players on that team that has that potential. So, I mean, going off that, you know what's the ceiling at that point for Man U? Where where do you go from here? I mean, you're you're in tenth place right now, but that's five points out of the the Champions League. So I mean, this is the Premier League, the the most tough league in the world. Anything can friggin' happen. I mean, we just watched Arsenal beat City. Anything can happen. You know? Yeah, because that's so absurd. It's just the right? craziest so scenario you could think of. But I mean, what's where do you go from here? You know?
3: Hopefully up. <laughs> Hopefully, not the other way. I, I want to be going back up. Um, you, you know, kind of like what, what Mike alluded to about just, just the insane amount of injuries that happened you know, all at the same time. Like, I, I don't know if they're just not like growing the grass over at Carrington and, and they're playing on like pavement, but you, you know, you have injuries to, you know, 12 first team members, even fringe players like uh, Kobe Menu, who really impressed in the offseason, who everyone was really excited for got an injury, you know, Malassia, he, I I have not heard what his injury is other than he's out for like a year, you know, these backup players are even out. So I, I I mean, you know, what Mike said is the team just needs to get healthier. And unfortunately that takes time. And, you know, with the schedule of the premier league, with the demands of, of all the tournaments, you just don't have time. And and that's, I think what is concerning to most United fans at, at the moment is there's no time to get healthy.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think do you finish. Do you finish real quick, Mike? Do you finish top four, Brendan? No. OK, Mike, off to you. I'll end on that one. <laughs> so, that, so that's the
4: ceiling. Right. So as far as how can this team do the best possible scenarios, I think it's not, not is not first is not second. I think if we can redo last season, that is the ceiling for us. So third or fourth. Maybe a trophy. Probably not. Um, but realistically, I think this is going to be a harder season than last season. Uh, I mean, I know we've already talked about the injuries, but they make a big difference. If you have half your team gone, what are you supposed to put out there? Um, you know, not everyone is like Chelsea, where everybody's kind of the same level quality, which is not good enough. Uh, and they're all interchangeable. But oh, yeah. Oh, i think i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a long season but i think we'll have some fun along the way i think we'll you know we've got some exciting young players so hopefully we'll you know put some runs together and make it worthwhile i was getting up in the mornings and watching
3: well, Mike, r- real quick, who do you see United beating out to get in the top four? Because right now, and I know Tottenham is Tottenham. fast. And just waiting for them to collapse. <laughs> the Tottenham is on top. Automatic. <laughs> and, then, and then it's Arsenal and Man City. I, I can't see United getting top uh, above them. And then you have Liverpool, Aston Villa. I, I, I mean, unfortunately, I, I just, I agree. I would love for them to get top four, or even match last year in third. I, I just don't see how they're going to do it. I don't see who above them you know, in the top four or five, the way it currently is, even if we rip off a a run of wins, who are they going to be out? Who who in that top four is going to drop points? And and we can say Tottenham, but I I just don't know.
4: Yeah, I I think Liverpool. Um, I just, they seem like they're good, but are they? I don't really get it, how they're (laughs) continuing to to win games. They're always like... You know, Liverpool. They get a lot of good decisions going their way, but at the end of the day, I don't know that we're going to do it. But these are the teams we have to beat out. If we can't get past Liverpool, if we can't get past Spurs, I completely agree with you, Brennan, We we we've got no chance of getting in touching distance of City. Um, even even though everyone's down on City, they've lost what three of their last four games, something like that. Uh, that that is the anomaly. They'll be back. Um so yeah, we're not gonna finish above them. Arsenal look good. They look good last season though. So we'll we'll see how that goes for them. Um but yeah, they're definitely gonna finish above United. So I don't know. Head to head games. We'll see if we can actually, you know, go to Anfield and win. Or, you know, we already lost to Spurs, so
3: that was a that, travesty. <laughs> that VAR decision. That was a travesty. We've seen that every week, the VAR decisions. What is a handball? What isn't a handball? I don't know.
4: Well, yeah, it depends if it's against Man United or not, it seems like. But no, I mean, it's it's been small things, right? Like you, you watching the Spurs game, we actually were in it. The Spurs were better, but we were in it and we could have won that game. The Arsenal game, I think it was really 50-50. Um, I know I, I watched it with, with you, Kyle and Tess, and then, you know, if that goal had stood, if that VAR decision had... Uh, gone the way of uh, of United, I think that's a game over. And that's three points. And, you know, we're having very different conversations. So
0: fine margins. Agreed. Well, Sean, you you were quiet over there during the, uh, the Liverpool comments, but I did see a hand raised before. You had something to add, not necessarily about the Liverpool comment, but just to kind of wrap up question three and pop into four. Yeah,
2: I think, um, you know, besides Mike, Claiming that we're Liverpool, I mean, we literally just got hosed against I waiting, Tottenham. I was waiting. For there it it. I was just waiting Just got it. absolutely bent over. It. No lube, no f- sandpaper finish. Like that was outrageous. Yeah, that's every week. Man United. Regardless, <laughs> I think I, I think we're in a better position than Man United is right now. Um, to you know to finish in the top four. I I just think that there's more consistency on, on a week to week, and obviously injuries play a major role in that. But for the most part, you know what what Liverpool's lineup's going to look like. Um, and, and I think there's also just more consistency there um, in terms of goals, uh, which is something that Brendan talked about before. Hoyland, I actually think really highly of, and I think he's going to be a really you know good player for a long time. Um, but if Rashford's not in form and he's very, very much a confidence player, um, it, it's tough to see where the goals come from for United versus, I think, you know, Salah, Sabozlai, Nunez, and... And Jota could all be at 8 to 12 goals. Salah, obviously, probably closer to 15.
0: So, Don't I, worry about Diaz.
2: And, and and Diaz, obviously, he's not played his best so far, but he could also be in that 8 to 10 goal range as well. So I just think um, in terms of goals, you know, at the top of the table, that's really important. And, and I think Liverpool has the ability to manufacture those goals and chances a lot easier than United, at least, you know, so far.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I got to agree with Sean on this one. You you look at the front line. That's all you got to look at because to win you got to score. At, you could you could have the best defense in the world, and if you don't score, you don't win. So you look at the the front line that you guys just laid out for N U, and we're looking at Rashford, Hoyland, and an iffy third. I don't I don't trust any of those guys to score. Your last what five goals have all come from Garnacho. I mean you're relying on McTominay as a super sub to score two goals in stoppage time, and then you you look over at Liverpool and you have. Like had just said, you have Sala, you have Jota, you have Nunez, you have uh, F- Luis Diaz scoring goals. You have everybody. Everybody's lighting it up for Liverpool right now. Their their problem is not not scoring goals. They had nine guys on the field, and I wouldn't have been surprised if they put three away. You know, I mean, you could have a 12-man Man you right now, and sure, they're not letting up goals. Their defense looks great, but that's actually also not true. Their healthy defense looks great, but it, it just comes <laughs> down to goal scoring, man. It's just not there right now. And without a clinical. Oh,
2: for sure. And the keeper dis- I mean, the disparity in keeper quality is, is significant, too,
0: in, in those two teams. Oh Well, guys, I mean, this has obviously been a bit of a pessimistic viewpoint for Manchester United. I don't want to turn this too much into a Liverpool spotlight 2.0 here. So we're going to we're going to take a take a turn here. I know we could always talk about Liverpool. And if I can't speak about Arsenal, I love talking about other people. So let's just keep it going with with some Manchester United. Question number four. And I think this is one of the most important ones. And uh, Heasley, Brendan, you alluded to this very early on with ownership, right? And some of what would be EPL state of mind's hot news from the start of the show is that Manchester United, the Glazers, have actually sold 25% of the company to Sir Jim Ratcliffe. So what does this mean to the team? And then more importantly, what does it satisfy the fan base? So I know, Mike, you did a deep dive into this, so we'll start with you and then Brendan, I want you to fill in those gaps, but like, as in Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool, and an EPL State of Mind listening group who, who are not in the weeds of this. You guys have been searching right. for a new owner for so long. We mentioned it so many times last season that, you know, are they going to get bought by overseas? Are they going to go to if He was in the in it from the
4: start. What's going on, Mike? So, we don't know. The, the things that we do know or that have been reported – We don't know how factual everything is. So things can change overnight. But, you know, Sheikh Jassim had bought the club, then Radcliffe had bought the club, and then vice versa, and it's gone back and forth. And it seems like Jassim's pulled out of the bidding process now. He's done an official statement, which means he probably didn't get the successful bids. So as soon as that happened, we got a lot of news about Radcliffe's 25%. So what has been reported is the 25% is split in half. 12.5% of that is Glazer preferred stock, uh, and and twelve and a half percent of that is uh, what's on the stock exchange, the public. So Glazer's currently, before this goes through, own sixty nine percent, nice, uh, of the company. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I've been, I mean, they've been fucking us for years, so you know, it makes sense. Um, but. So, yeah, they own 69%, so they're going to give up 12.5%. And that's as a collective group. There's eight siblings that have this 69% uh, as a group that, you know, Malcolm uh, Glazer was prolific. So um, it seems like the money that's going to the 12.5% for the Glazers is just going to go to the Glazers, and that's cash that they can take out of the club. The 12.5% that's being bought um, of the public offering that is probably going to be a cash injection into the club. And that's going to be used as the strategic partnership that they were looking for, 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 you know, cash injection. So this could be used for, um, you know, player sales, sorry. Yeah. Player purchases, uh, renovations to Old Trafford. I think there's been a big push uh, for that. They, you know, I actually haven't been back to Old Trafford since Ten Hag took over um, but even before then, it's in a bit of a state of disrepair. There's leaks in the roof and, you know, while it's easy to fix, it's now one of the oldest stadiums in the country. Um, going to the back to the Euros a little bit, we had the announcement that uh, the UK and Northern Ireland was going to host the, the Euros uh, next time around in, in 2028. Old Trafford wasn't selected as one of the stadiums. It's the biggest stadium o- other than Wembley in the country. And it's kind of an embarrassment uh, that that wasn't uh, part of the selection process. And it just shows with the uh, disrepair that it's gotten into. Now, other than that, but we don't really know for sure um, because they've been very secretive throughout this whole process. So this is the stuff that's been said, but we don't actually know if any of this is true. If it is 25 percent, there's also been talk of there's going to be inflection points going forward. Sorry to be boring, guys.
0: <laughs> Inflection points oh, point going exactly forward
4: um, with when more of the club can be uh, taken off the Glazers' hands, um, at what price point that's uh, set to be, that's all still not disclosed. And there's supposed to be points in the future where the club will be 100% owned by Jim Ratcliffe. But what we haven't heard anything on is the, uh, is the debt. So Man United currently sit at uh, £700 million worth of debt um that gets repaid every single big year and one of the big number um only Barcelona has us beat at a billion um so every single year we do debt repayments to good old JP Morgan and they uh we we give them about hundred million pounds per year it's actually in dollars rather than pounds because obviously JP Morgan's American and so that that number fluctuates, but it's around hundred million pounds and that money just leaves the club and that just goes to. Uh, interest payments um so we don't we haven't pushed down the debt at all now any business major at MBA will tell you that um debt is free money and it's good to have healthy debt and that's how you run a successful business but it just doesn't sit well um you know with the club when they have just so much debt because this that's a number that gets impacted for financial fair play the amount of money you push out um to to debt um to servicing your debt is a number as part of your cost. So that's 100 million a year that Man United could have had more for transfers. And that's been for 16 years now. So it's 1.6 6 billion has been paid from Manchester United to JP Morgan in order to uh, resurface the, the debt that the Glazers used to buy the club. And that's just a lot of money to go out the door when it didn't need to.
0: That's some insane numbers. And we don't dive deep enough sometimes into the finances behind all the clubs because we just don't have the knowledge. So Mike, this was fantastic, man. And I know Brendan, you're going to fill in some gaps for us. What's, what's your, what's your take on this? Although that was pretty airtight, Mike, I'm not gonna, I'm not (laughs) gonna lie. So, so what you got Brendan and what does it, what does it, does it satisfy you, man? Like what's going on?
3: Well, I, I can't believe you, you said you wanted to, you know, not be so pessimistic. Then you bring up probably the worst news I've gotten in like, you know, 28 years of life. You know, it's like my dog died. But um,
0: I, when I told you I was moving out early, a month early from college, I thought that was going to be the worst news <laughs> in your life. Too. But this is that, this is new to me. That was a
3: lonely month, I'm, I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's just... It's just a mess you, you know Mike touched on a lot of it you know the nearly billion pounds in debt you know the glazers up until like two years ago were the only club that paid dividends out and the glazers netted like I don't know between 20 and 40 million a year in dividends that have gone out over you know 20 some years of ownership the only club in the Premier League to do that and and I, I guess just what really hurts the most is you know this time last year when they put the club on the market, Supposedly, both uh, Sir Jim and uh, Sheikh Jassim wanted a full sale, and that was that's the best outcome. This whatever this deal is that uh, uh, Ratcliffe's working out it, it is awful. And like Mike said, we we don't know what the details are, um, which supposedly they're under NDAs. But it's interesting how this stuff always leaks out in Ratcliffe's favor um, under an NDA. But he's he went from buying 100% of the club down to the. <laughs> Sixty nine percent to buy out the Glazers, then down to like uh, was it the twenty-five percent it is now, but you know, as Mike said, that's twelve and a half to the Glazers, twelve and a half to the uh, public offering. So what does that really do? They're giving him sporting control, but what does that mean? Like, does he doesn't control the finances? He's not majority shareholder, owner of Man United. I mean, what's gonna change? And you know over the next three years, if this deal does go through, which is interesting because they delayed putting it to the vote to the board tomorrow by two weeks. So what's going on with that? Is it, is it really done or not? Um, but it's just a mess. You don't know what's going on. The clauses, whether Sir Jim can buy more at specific time periods, you know, what's, what's the escalation rate, what happens if Man United doesn't meet those marks does do the Glazers stay? what happens then and the most frustrating thing is i think all man united fans just wanted the glazers gone and ratcliffe did deal with the glazers he's just as much an enemy of the club as the glazers are because he's the guy who's keeping them there you can you cannot want Qatar. you can say whatever you want about him i don't care who the entity was as long as it was a full sale because they just need to be gone you know as mike said the, the stadium's rotting we're a billion pounds in debt the i think the renovations to bring Old Trafford up to standards is like a billion pounds. I mean, they just added Wi-Fi this year to the stadium. They put out a notice <laughs> saying we have added Wi-Fi to the stadium in 2023, <laughs> like why? And, and a brand new stadium is, is, you know, 2 billion pounds. Right there is about, you know, two to 3 billion pounds just to offload the debt and, and bring the stadium up to standards. Where's that money coming from? Ratcliffe has tried to buy two clubs in like the past two years. He tried to buy Chelsea, and he tried to get a stake in Barcelona. He's supposed to diehard Man United fan. This is his third time trying to buy a club. So I, I don't know if he really is a Man United fan. It doesn't matter too much to me. But he's posing himself as the man who will put uh, Manchester back in Manchester United. And I just I don't see it working. Even if he gets control of the club, where's the money coming from? Oh, he'll saddle his company Ineos with it. Or are they going to be okay with taking on a billion plus pounds of debt? What's going to happen to that? It's just an untenable situation. I, I, like I said, I'm in between the stages of denial and depression. I would hope that in this in this next two weeks, some miracle comes in and, and Qatar say we'll we'll do a deal. You know, I don't think that'll happen, but this this doesn't help Man United. It doesn't put them forward. I mean, are any of you as other team uh, supporters are you quaking in your boots about Sir Jim getting the club?
0: Not with a twenty five percent stake, no.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on. The more, anytime the Glazers or the the their hands are on Manchester United, I'm okay with it. Like, I think to your point, the sheet coming in and buying the the, uh, the whole club and clearing all the debt would have been the best case scenario, and a situation where the Glazers still have majority control with a new ownership and and they probably got the funding that they wanted and they are probably they're happy to keep the club is the worst case scenario for United.
1: Yeah, I, I think this one comes down to whether or not they bought the club as fans or businessmen. You know, are, are, you, are they trying to make money on this? Or are they trying to build this team? And there's no correct answer to that until we see the next couple of weeks. So like, like you said, it's just wait and see at this point. It could be great, it could be devastating.
3: Well, that's the, the funny thing. The Glazers bought Man United on debt in 2005. They immediately saddled the club with the debt from buying from purchasing the club the money they needed by the club they saddled they saddled right back on manchester united and like mike mike said they've paid so much money over the past 20 years just in interest payments and they hamper the team in terms of financial fair play you know you you have debt repayments it's like 50 million a year or whatever it's ridiculous and they keep doing it and they're in such a poor financial state now I, i mean we had to bring in and we mentioned earlier about why bringing erickson well he was free he didn't cost any money there was no transfer he was free (laughs) why did we i I mean we had to loan amrabat we couldn't buy him we waited all summer for a player who only wanted to come to man united we could only loan him we didn't have 15 million quid to be like here you go it's just an untenable situation and if this deal does go through ratcliffe will be forever known as the guy who kept the Glazers at Manchester United. There's no guarantee he will get them out. There's no guarantee that he will be successful with Man United. And the worst part is we won't know for three years. We won't know until 2026 whether he got the Glazers out or not and if the, if the club is any, any further success. I mean, what money is he going to pump into the club now? He's not going to renovate the stadium. He's under a ticking time clock to get this team to start winning, to start bumping up the value of the club. He's not going to invest in the in the stadium. He doesn't care about that. He has he needs to invest in the team. So it, it's just a real unfortunate situation that we could have had a full sale. That you know United could have been back to buying the best players in the world. I mean James, we, we were talking last week, uh, you know, watching the Beckham documentary. United had the mm-hmm. best players in the world, and then they still bought the best. I mean you had David Beckham, mm-hmm. you had Paul Scholes, Roy Keane real ferdinand i mean real great players i mean a little bit of a tangent i mean jude bellingham should be an english player the best players in england should be playing for manchester united and he didn't want to join manchester united for whatever reason there's probably a litany of reasons he probably walked into carrington and saw it looked like from like the 1980s and was like i don't want to do it i mean ronaldo had that quote the the uh training facilities hasn't changed since he left you know a decade plus ago so it's just I just don't see how it's going to work. We're just going to be in a state of mediocrity, and nothing's going to change. If he does indeed follow through with this uh, supposed deal that has been pushed back another two weeks.
0: Well, you both bring up some some really great points. Mike, your insight of actually being there when the, the stadium was in the current state that is a disarray. Heasley, you're bringing up great points that they just haven't brought the big names for you know, the big value. Ronaldo came in towards the end of his career. Erickson was free, which in, in in all honesty was a great pickup turned out to be. And Manchester United definitely have some TLC to take care of, which I think the big part that you guys have, have really harped on is, is getting new ownership. But, you know, with this information, although <clears throat> time seemed bleak, I think we'll we'll see a little bit of a turnaround. Hopefully, informed from the guys after this international break, we don't know how many points they'll get out of the next run of games. We kind of highlighted that that last episode. They've got a difficult spell after after Sheffield, I believe. But you know, I really appreciate you guys popping onto the panel here. Some really heavy hitting questions brings in some real insight to everyone who isn't you know in the weeds of Manchester United. Something that I definitely could not have brought to the table. So Mike and and Brendan appreciate it a lot and hey man based off of this i'm sure the feedback's gonna be fantastic and we're gonna have to have you guys back on on the next avengers panel but for now i think it's time for us to take a quick pause here and we're gonna go straight into segment number three which is pretty much our our look ahead that we do which is the must watch games and i'm sure if we forgot about anything we'll get our final saves from the boys right after this Okay, well, the Avengers panel of Manchester United are still with us here. We're going to get their little last thought, their send-off, their slogan, and we're going to ask them what their prediction is for the Manchester United-Sheffield game this weekend. And, Heasley, if you could do the honors of getting us started here, final thoughts and feelings, and then your prediction.
3: Yeah, fellas, I I appreciate you having me on to to talk about United. Uh, Hopefully it wasn't too depressing. Um, It's only because I care so much. (laughs) Um, as far as the game <laughs> this weekend goes, I'm I'm hoping and praying for, for a 2-0 win for United. Uh, I have a feeling the goals have got to start coming. And, you know, this weekend with, with City on the horizon it is a great time to start. So hopefully, you know, we see some balls in the back of the net.
4: Yeah, and for me, I think as far as the result goes, well, I see 3-0. Hoyland's going to come in with a couple uh, after he survived the San Marino game uh but overall i i think that we have to see this out with eric ten Hag and, and win ten hog we trust
0: absolutely absolutely i'm sorry he's did you say your prediction for the game yeah 2-0 2-0 2-0 2-0 3-0 all right so we normally do a lock of the week so everyone out there you heard the manchester united lock it's a W. I would put more than one-and-a-half goals, possibly more than two-and-a-half based off of these wonderful gentlemen's predictions. And again, gents, thank you so much for coming aboard. We're going to pop right into now the EPL State of Mind must-watch game. So, Sean, take it away.
2: Yep, we got Liverpool, Everton, and the Merseyside Derby at Anfield this Saturday. The most drawn fixture in English football history with 69 of the 208 meetings finishing uh, level. Nice. However, I think this is going to be a Liverpool win. Shocking, I know. Um, I just think they have too much quality. Uh, will be interesting to see who starts up front with Gakpo injured from the Tottenham game and uh, Nunez picking up a knock against Brazil in, uh, on international duty. So, will be very interesting to see who their front three is. But uh, I still think there's just too much quality there. I think
0: Liverpool at Anfield, they're going to pull it out. Very good. Kyle, another one that we have here. What you got, my man? Yeah,
1: so we're looking at uh, Man City versus Brighton. You know, the people have been calling this one the uh, the best manager in the Premier League derby. I, I don't disagree <laughs> with that at all. But, um, you know, there, there are two questions to be asked here. I mean, can Brighton do the impossible and have City lose three games in a row in the Premier League? No. No. Simple answer, one word, not going into it. And then, will Holland revive himself here? Will the goals have not kept a clean sheet in 13 matches? Uh, no. I I also think, no, I I don't see Holland scoring in this game. I mean, the goal is attack, 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 attack. And you know what? When the ball is not in the attacking quarter, I'm not even going to say the attacking third. I'm going to say the attacking fourth of the field. Holland is not on the ball. Even when the ball is there, he's not on the ball. He touched the ball 12 times a game. So no, I I don't think this is the game. I, I don't think Holland comes back legit to Erling Holland's status until Kevin De Bruyne comes back to the field. He's the only one I would say in the world capable of those those passes that Holland latches onto, and no one else can. So yeah, I mean, there you go. I think City wins. It might be a two to one. It might be a three to two. I mean, both teams are going to score. I the fact that they win only comes from them being at the head. That's it for me this week. They have they've been in the worst form I've ever seen them in under Pep
0: Guardiola. it's tough. You know, it might be time for I know a lot of us uh, out there Don't have say your, it. Uh... Don't you say it. Have Holland. I don't think you. You think I was going this way. It might not be time to captain Holland, and uh, maybe trade up for possibly do a double swap and get Mo Salah in there if you do not already have <laughs> him in your squad. Yeah, all right. So, Yo, Sean, you up
1: for a, a holland Salah trade?
0: No, he's talking about in fantasy. In fantasy. In, in, uh, yeah, in our EPL State of Mind Fantasy
1: League. Oh, my God. Kyle, oh, I think Kyle this, that, is that egg on your face? That's a tough one. That's tough. <laughs> that that was, was tough. At, at the end of the day, at least at least it wasn't a real proposition, you know?
0: Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Kyle was about to drive to New Jersey and punch James. Tala. Yeah, right. He was, he was literally going to come from the Hamptons and just, just destroy me. But um, what would be destroying... A Arsenal loss against Chelsea that is home for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. This is on Saturday at 1230. This is uh, obviously one of the many, many, many London derbies we have. It would be a horrible game for Arsenal to drop points post their one of their biggest win in years against City. Uh, Chelsea are coming off of a three game win streak in all competitions and coming off of one of their biggest wins of the season. The biggest win of the season for them, 4 one away at Burnley. Do I think that Chelsea will beat Arsenal? No, I think this will probably be a 2 nothing win to the Gunners away. And I think the main point or the main goal for the Gunners should be is just shut Sterling down. You control Sterling, you control Chelsea because no one else controls Chelsea besides Sterling. And he has been off to a hot start and really been the only exciting thing for the Blues. So in my opinion... This is a you know a couple years ago. This would make me as an Arsenal fan very shaky, uh, not knowing which Arsenal team would show up. But I think, uh, based off of our performances, coming off of a great win against Man City and a little bit of a break, hopefully Saka gets back into the starting side. There, I think this is a two nothing win for Arsenal. The other game that isn't one of our favorite teams, but should be a must watch, and because it's the solo game on Sunday. This is Villa versus West Ham at Villa Park at 1130 on Sunday. West Ham have not lost to Villa in their last 11 meetings. They've won seven times and drawn four, all of which Villa have been kept to no more than one goal. But it could be different this year because Villa currently are third in goals scored per match. So this should be an exciting one. They're very close in the table. Villa's in fifth. West Ham is in seventh. Both teams have been outperforming what they have been expected to do this season. So expect this one to be one of the most exciting over the weekends. And Sean, I don't know if I'm dropping on this on you last second here, but I believe technically you are our lock of the week.
2: Yep. So I do have a lock prepared. I took Brentford minus 120 over Burnley, they're at home at the G Um Burnley's a little bit of a shambles defensively. I, I like the bees to take all three points this weekend. And I also, just quickly, Gustavo Hammer's going to score against United, and Chelsea's going to draw Arsenal. I,
1: I love drop. that. I absolutely love that. Although, I mean, we can also go in and say, I, I think we can all agree that Brendan and Mike chose their locks as Manchester United over Sheffield this week. So we can officially start our uh, Mount Rushmore of guest locks of the weeks. So we're gonna have Mike and Brennan, number one, man
4: you. Let's see it. <laughs> I stick around. Um I I just I, I just see us winning. I can't, I can Sheffield United have been bad this season. They celebrated getting one point and they said, Hey, now you guys can not stop talking about it. Uh, you know, we're not gonna go score they're pointless the whole season. But I think them being in the Premier League is pretty pointless with how they played this season.
3: Yeah, yeah, if we lose or draw to Sheffield, I mean, I, I don't know how much worse things could get.
2: Brendan, we're gonna be, have to send out a, a wellness check on Brendan if they don't, <laughs> don't win because he's making me a little depressed, and I don't even like United. Oh, I've
3: been it's been a rough week. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, Mike has seen it all, right? So he came in, like he said at the intro, he came in two years, uh, Ferguson style, and Heasley, you've 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 seen a bit as well, but I think you're you're still loaning or or wanting that 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 victory that Mike has experienced in his in his youth. But I love to see it, gentlemen everyone out there in the EPL state of mind we always appreciate the listen we appreciate the participation especially here this week with the panel please let us know if you want to be part of the next spotlight panel or spotlight or whatever you want to do we're always open to involve our listeners and we thank you all for it and hopefully you got a little insight of the Manchester United circus or progressive movement that they have going on right now we are not sure yet but thank you everybody until next week everyone enjoy your weekend